The Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. I want to begin by thanking all of you who were able to make it to our parish mission this week with Father Vincent. Uh, I know he had lots of wonderful things to say, so if you all ever get tired of me, you can certainly call on him and he will happily come back and spend as much time as he is able here with you. So uh, he certainly made a favorable impression upon him uh, and indeed uh, grateful for all of you who were able to come and to be able to hear his reflections and to continue to invite us to draw closer to our Lord during this season of Holy Lent. Today in the scriptures, we have two mountaintop experiences. We remember that anytime we have a mountaintop in the scriptures, it's an encounter with God. You know, because the physical sense that God is up there in the heavens. And so if you want to get close to God, you go up. And so they climb a mountain. And the first encounter we have on a mountain is Abraham, the patriarch, the one to whom God had promised, I will give, your gener- I will give you countless generations, as, number- as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the shore of the sea, so much more will be the children that will come forth from you. Incredible promise. It's that Abraham who today is asked by the Lord to sacrifice his son. It seems crazy for God to ask this. Certainly, if any of us in the midst of our prayer discern that God was inviting us to take a knife, slay our son, and then burn him as a Holocaust offering. If we told that to anybody else, we would likely have a couple of visitors come to us in nice uniforms. And they would have a nice white jacket for us. And they would take us to a really safe place to take care of us for a while. huh? Because to have that kind of intuition from God is crazy. And yet, that's what the Lord asks of Abraham. So it's crazy that he asked for him to offer his son as a sacrifice. But the crazier thing is that Abraham is willing to do it. He's willing to trust in the Lord. He's willing to offer his only son, the only child he has, knowing that God promised that he would have countless generations come after him. 
St. Paul would put it that Abraham had such great faith that he recognized that God could raise up children even from the dead. The foreshadowing of the resurrection of Christ. But a recognition that Abraham, in his heart, he had such a profound trust and faith in the Lord that he knew that even if I slay my son, even if he dies, I don't know how, but I know God will still bring forth and make his promise true. A great faith. And it's that faith that comes as a response of a relationship. This wasn't the first time that Abraham heard, heard the voice of the Lord. It wasn't the first time that Abraham had an encounter with God. Many times over, Abraham had spent hours in prayer, in conversation with the Lord, hearing his voice and responding, following after the Lord and finding out little by little that this God that calls to me is trustworthy. He keeps his word. Everything he says, it happens. He has not abandoned me, and he's never left me. And it's that that gives him that immense faith, to be able to believe that God can even raise up from the dead one who had been slain. And so he has this faith. It's this faith that Peter, James, and John are invited to as they go on the other mountain today in the gospel. They go up, Peter, James, and John, I guess the, the top three, the ones who are given the most authority and most uh, you know, power and, and uh, prestige in a certain sense in the, in, in the ministry of Christ. These three are called up on the mountain with the Lord. And there, before their very eyes, he is transfigured. His form changes. It's something that we can't understand, something that we, none of us will be able to even imagine until the day that we behold the Lord himself in his glory. But before their very eyes, his face becomes radiant. His clothes become whiter than any bleach could ever make it in this world. And there at his side, Moses and Elijah, the ones who represent the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, pointing towards Christ. Recognizing that Christ is God. The response of the disciples that this is certainly a reminder to us that they, in no uncertain terms, knew exactly who was before them. Whenever the Lord showed himself in the Old Testament, whenever, whenever the Lord was going to make a, a, an epiphany, a visitation, a, an appearance of some sort, any time this happened, people would cover their face, usually fall on the ground out of fear. Because the recognition, the understanding was, if you look upon the face of God, you will die. Because we're not able to handle it in this life. We're not, we're not suited for it. We're only able to look at God in the next life when we've been ourselves purified and sanctified and transformed. It's too much for us here. And so God veils himself in the flesh of Jesus. But for a brief few moments on that holy mountain, he shows his glory to Peter, James, and John. He shows them that I am the Christ. And he does this because he knows they need it. Just before this passage is the passage in which our Lord tells them, all twelve, that he's going up to Jerusalem and he will suffer. He will be persecuted. He will, be, he will ultimately be crucified. He will be killed. A hard thing to understand. And so they're wrestling with it. And so Jesus immediately after that 
in, in, in right in the shadow of the recognition, the, the, the call for the cross to be part of his ministry. In fact, the, the height of his ministry. He shows them that he's trustworthy. To have faith in him. That despite all the things that they see. They might be able to trust that the Lord is still going to do something even greater. This is the call of the transfiguration. It's a call to faith. We know that the disciples struggled initially after the crucifixion. John alone is the only one who is there. James. No, John. John is there. James is invisible. He's not even given an account in the gospel. Peter is running away, warming his hands by a fire, afraid of what's happening. But in the end, all three of them and the others along with them come back to the Lord. They come back and they're in the, way, in the upper room waiting when the Lord comes to them in the resurrection. It was the transfiguration that would later give them the strength to be able to persevere in their own crosses. Peter was crucified. James was beheaded. John died in exile on an island for preaching the faith. All of them were willing to do these things and more because they knew Jesus Christ. For Peter, to be crucified is fine. The Lord will give me a new life. You want to take this one? Go ahead. The Lord has a better one in store. For James, you want to lop off my head and kill me? That's fine. The Lord will restore me and I will have heavenly life. For John, you want to cast me out on an island to make me by myself? That's fine. I am never alone. The Lord is with me. It's this profound relationship with Christ that's truly strengthened in the transfiguration. It gives the disciples the ability to do the things that they did. And every one of us, as we go through life, we experience things like Abraham. We experience things like the disciples. There may be times in our life when the Lord calls us to do something that might seem a bit crazy. To give up something. To offer something to the Lord. To take it, to slay it, and to consume it in fire. And in the moment, it might seem foolishness. It might seem, how do I survive without this thing? How, how, how does life go on without this particular, this particular thing the Lord invites me to go with? And yet, by faith we can trust. The same thing whenever we carry our own crosses, when the cross gets heavy on our shoulders at various times of our life. In those moments, we recognize that the cross always, if we unite ourselves to Jesus, results in the resurrection. That even though the cross may come and the suffering may come and it may be difficult to understand, we know that Christ can do all things and even this, even the heaviest of crosses, he can make glorious. It's an invitation for us to have faith. But to have faith, we have to enter into the relationship. We have to know the Lord. To encounter him regularly. To speak to him. To listen to him. To love him and to be loved by him. This is the importance of the things that we encourage, particularly during the Lenten season. To spend time with Jesus in the sacrament, in the Holy Eucharist. Every Friday at St. Anne, we have from 7 a.m. until 6 p.m. Eucharistic adoration, where we can go and behold the face of God in a veiled form, certainly, but His face nonetheless in the Holy Eucharist. To worship, to pray. We can stop by the chapel or the church anytime 
and know that our Lord is here. Whenever we come into a church and we see the nice little red light in the sanctuary, the sanctuary lamp, it's a reminder that Christ is here. That his heart is burning for us and it delights to see us. He rejoices that we are here. So for us to come to spend time, even if it's just a few minutes, on the way to work or on the way home, bringing the kids back and forth from place to place, if there's a church or a chapel, a couple of minutes to stop and to visit is always worth it. To spend time with our Lord. Another way for us to continue to encounter Christ is to read the scriptures. To pick up our Bible and to pray with it. To recognize that in those words Jesus speaks to us. It's not just a story by which we're detached from something. But it's something that invites us to actually place ourselves in it. St. Ignatius of Loyola is a wonderful companion in teaching us how to pray with the scriptures. To recognize the people that are there and to put ourselves in their place. For those who are being healed, what would I do if that was me? For those who are bystanders, what would I think if that was me? For those struggling along the way, for those who are being chastised by our Lord, properly so at right times, how would I feel if that was me? And to place ourselves in the scriptures and to encounter Christ, to hear his words, Directly addressed to us. Today we begin the second week of Lent. And with that we begin the Discipleship DVD program here in the parish as well. This is the DVDs that uh, we'll be showing for the next five weeks, six days a week. Uh, And it's one in which I would encourage every single one of you to take part. We've got, again, days, nights, weekends, weekdays, here and at St. Anne. A whole variety of ways to make it as easy as possible for you to come and to encounter the Lord, specifically during that time. The DVDs really are profound. If you desire to grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ at all, you should be there. Because they teach us how to do it. To put it into action. And so I encourage you. Certainly to make time this week. And in the coming weeks. To set aside an hour with the Lord. To be able to go. Watch a video. Reflect on the questions. And continue to pray. To draw closer to our Lord in a relationship. And so as we. Come on this blessed Sunday. And hear this. Incredible thing of the transfiguration of our Lord. We give thanks to God for the blessings that he has given to us. We thank him for the way that he veils himself out of consideration for us. And for the times where he shows us his glory out of that same consideration. We thank him for the grace that he pours into our hearts by virtue of the sacraments and the scriptures. We pray that by all of these things we might be able to draw close to him, especially in this life. That we might be able to bear the cross and pursue his will in all things to the glory of God and for the salvation of our soul.